Hey, before we get started today, I wanted to jump in and say hello. As the independent creator and producer of Cultivating Place, I am so proud to have a home on North State Public Radio out of Northern California. And I'm so honored that almost 40,000 of you listen in each month. For longtime listeners, thank you. And for newcomers, welcome. As a public radio program and podcast, Cultivating Place relies on you, the community of listeners who value these conversations and thought-provoking dialogues to grow by to help support the work. Thank you, truly, to all of you out there who support this program monthly. For those of you who are not yet sustaining listeners, please consider investing in this work with a donation. To make a one-time gift or sign up as a sustaining monthly donor, just follow the support button at the top right-hand corner of every page at cultivatingplace.com. Any donation amount, starting from $5 a month, makes a meaningful difference to producing this program every week. As Cultivating Place moves towards celebrating our fifth birthday, we've set a goal to add 100 new sustaining members in the second half of 2020. We know this will be a challenge, and we know you value the depth, breadth, heart, and voice of Cultivating Place. With your participation, we will meet this goal. We'll be cultivating this informed, engaged, caring garden community for many seasons to come. Join us. Follow the support button at the top right-hand corner of any page at cultivatingplace.com, and together we will continue to keep growing better. Thank you. Enjoy today's conversation with Colleen Southwell. It's a good one. This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. Today, I am pleased to be joined by Colleen Southwell. She is a gardener. She is an artist. She is a garden designer. She is inspired by her garden, the natural environment, everyday objects, and a commitment to celebrating beauty in the littlest of things. She joins us today from her home and studio in Australia. Welcome, Colleen. I am so pleased to be speaking with you. Hi, Jennifer. I'm just thrilled to be on the program. I listen to you regularly sitting in my studio um, in rural Australia, and it's just fantastic to be able to connect this way. You do some really, really interesting things with your creativity, uh, among them gardening and garden designing, and then the garden curator artwork we will get into a little more deeply. Describe for listeners who might not be familiar with your work how you came to be interested in plants and your your current relationship personal and professional, with plants and botanical art right now? I am an artist, um, an all-but-full-time artist uh, now. I've been a gardener um, really all of my life. I certainly grew up with a, a gardening family and particularly a gardening mum. Um, and for the last 10 years or so, I've been doing work in, uh, in garden design after retraining in horticulture when my two young boys were, were babies. Um, so it's, it's really, um, it, it's very much a, a part of my everyday 
everyday life. So uh, we live in a rural area in New South Wales, in Australia, near a beautiful town called Orange, which is uh, one of the cold climate areas in Australia. So it's quite a high region. It's a wine region, very beautiful with um, rolling hills. And I share my home with my husband and two teen boys. Uh, we live about 20 minutes out of Orange on a 100-acre property where we garden and we run uh, a couple of little flocks of heritage sheep. Uh, my husband is a, a farmer not just just here but elsewhere too. So we're surrounded by beautiful landscape, surrounded by um, the garden, which is probably about three acres of garden, which um, which wraps around our house. Mm. The garden is placed on the crest of a hill, so I look out over beautiful valleys um, and um, spotted with, with eucalypts. So I feel extremely fortunate to live where we do. The garden has really evolved over about 10 years and uh, it's a certainly a country garden, quite a rambling garden with some formal elements but a lot of perennials and ornamental grasses and roses, all the things that I love really. Yeah. It's very much surrounded by plants that, that we love and, and which really tell our story which is a really important um, important part of gardening for me and for my family too and uh, and my studio is a, a cottage which is nestled in the garden which I share with my husband so so certainly every day is really spent in nature whether it's walking through the paddock uh, or, or creating plants and insects out of paper through my artwork or actually um, with my hands in the soil in the gardens what all does the the garden itself include Colleen we built a home here, a, a weatherboard home, about 10 years ago. So the garden began 10 years ago. Growing food is really important to us. So it was actually one of the first things that we did in the garden here was to plant a hedge around uh, around a vegetable patch. Tiny little tube stock of potosporum we put in and, and they looked quite ridiculous really at the beginning because they were so tiny and and as all gardeners will understand when you put those plants in you you really visualize what they will be um, at when they're mature so that hedge now um, is, it's about 60 meters of hedge around the vegetable patch I have raised beds inside and that hedge now is is at least a meter wide and about two two or more metres tall. Wow. So that was one of the first things we did. And we also have a number of fruit trees. It's a, a stone fruit growing area. Um, Orange was traditionally a, an orcharding area before viticulture um, really stepped in. So we have a number of uh, stone fruit trees, apple trees. And, uh, and then the front of the house is... Uh, quite a formal part of the garden. So it's a, a gravel terrace which is flanked on either side of the entry steps to the front veranda um, with clusters of clipped buxus um, spheres, which I, I, I'm not uh, – I'm more an informal garden person than I am a formal garden person, but I love the simplicity of those forms on either side of that entry to the house. And, uh, and also within that garden, we have nestled uh, liriopes, um, seaside daisies, uh, 
Japanese windflowers, it, it, it's it's pretty and it, it changes through the seasons. Um, so it's really the entry of the house. And then the back of the house, which faces north, so our sunniest side, is a mix of, of perennials, ornamental grasses, um, some hedged spaces to define spaces within the garden, but a lot of very flowing and sinuous lines, which... In our landscape, I, I love the way that those lines really blur the, the garden with the landscape beyond. So we have such beautiful outlooks across from the back of our home and from the veranda at the back of the house that um, it, I feel it's really important to make sure that the, that the landscape becomes part of the garden. So the, the, the use of line in those areas has been a really important way of doing that. And... I think listeners will be able to hear this in the way you speak about the land and the design of the garden, but you are a trained garden designer as well as a, a, a fine artist at this point. Mm-hmm. You mentioned early in your story the fact that you retrained in horticulture. What, where did, did you grow up in this region or did mm-hmm. you move here? And what did you do prior to retraining and what led you to retraining in horticulture, Colleen? I've lived in this area for most of my childhood. Uh, we did move to this region uh, when I was a child from Sydney um, through personal circumstances really um, initiated a decision in my family to to move to the country and and part of that was really to become immersed in in rural life um, and so I, I grew up in this area and actually trained in agricultural commerce when I finished school so I worked for about 10 years in often remote rural communities. So we spent quite a number of years in in outback areas in Australia, which was um, a a really important part of our life. And uh, I worked in, um, in community economic development in those towns, so helping to look at uh, retention of services um, and the way that we can build, um, you know, build sustainable communities in those areas. So um, I spent a number of years in a, a place called Hay, which is on the Hay Plains in western New South Wales. It's really on the edge of the outback. Um, a beautiful, beautiful place, um, incredible sense of space. And uh, I think after having grown up with, um, with a gardening mum, and certainly being immersed in rural life, I think moving to to those regions was probably my first real interu- in, introduction to horticulture uh, and and to gardening being something that is really important to creating a sense of home. In, in those r- remote rural communities, home is such an important place. You know, it's a place to come back to. And the women in those areas have such a strong connection to the land um, that they farm and the land that they garden. And so I think that was really influential um, influential to me. So, And then from, from there, we spent some time too in the Snowy Mountains region, um, we were moving each time with my husband's work managing um, properties and, and some big station properties. And again, the women in, in that area really introduced me to, to gardening in a way that was had to be so sympathetic to the environment in which we lived. So I think throughout all of those steps and the moves that we made, with each move, um, there was a growing realisation of the importance of 
a garden in the creation of home, building on on the childhood and and the importance of the garden to mum. So all the way along, I think that seed was being sown really to, to take a path into horticulture, but it wasn't until my boys were babies and I felt that it wasn't feasible for me to continue in the in the, the type of work that I was doing. And I also felt really pulled to be working in a field that was connected to nature, um, that was outdoors, and that also had that creative element. I'd always um, been someone who'd, who'd dabbled in all, all kinds of creative um, pursuits. So, so horticulture was really a, a logical step. So I, I retrained in horticulture through our local uh, TAFE college. They run a fantastic horticulture program, which I did for four years. And, uh, and when the boys were, were little, began to do some garden design work for local clients around this area. And, and really that's continued since that point. So... Yeah, so it's been quite a natural progression, I think. I get a sense from what I've read about you and other interviews I have listened to um, and some of the information on your website that the garden design kind of was, you know, the the seed for that was sown in this, as you just said, the, the sort of gardening background and then your life experiences uh, into up to that point, this idea of connecting to your place and, and crafting your home in a sympathetic and, um, and mm. beautiful and comforting way for your family. And then was it the garden design and the looking at things visually and aesthetically from a designer's eye that really lit up your artistic side or had that been present before as well you think yeah that had certainly been present before and uh i i remember even as a tiny child always making i think i used to drive my poor mum <laughs> crazy because i would never allow her to throw anything out no, I, I re- distinctly remember having a, we called it the make it box and it was a box that was full of, um, you know, rolls from from aluminium foil and and all manner of things. You know, mum mum was a, a, a maker herself so there were always bits of, of things to craft with. So I certainly grew up um, making and, and drawing and, um, and always knowing that there was um, – there was a path that I needed to be taking, but I was never quite sure what that path really was. So, um, so I, I think certainly doing um, doing horticulture and having that connection with plants was a really important uh, link, I suppose, between between my previous creative work um, I've always painted even my landscape plans actually I hand draw those plans yeah. I know it's a very old-fashioned way of doing it but I, I love to do that I love the connection of the pencil to the paper and I feel that you develop a really personal relationship then with that space so mm-hmm. it's, it's a process that I'm not prepared to um, to give up and yeah. so so certainly working in horticulture and, and becoming more and more familiar with plants and becoming um, 
more and more aware of the disconnect I think that many people mm-hmm. have with with nature was really the impetus behind um, my decision to to base my artwork and, and and for that artwork to develop around plants and insects and the finer detail that I see in my day-to-day um, connection with the garden. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. We're speaking with Colleen Southwell, a gardener, garden designer, and incredible sculptural paper and ink and wire artist based in Orange, Australia. We'll be right back for more of her caring plant and art curation. Stay with us. Hey, it's Jennifer. I know, I really do know, how hokey I can sound sometimes. Ask my sisters, ask my daughters, I really do know. But damn, if it does not floor me, every time I'm in conversation with a guest and we get to the part where the universe calls them to their current work, the universe opens a door and they hear the call and they walk through the door, sometimes without a clue as to what they are doing or why they're doing it. It makes my skin tingle, no kidding. We all have true loves, and we all have true callings. And if we're lucky, we have a couple of both. And if we're lucky, we hear them, and we follow them. We dig in, even if we don't understand. I liken it a bit, and this might be way more information than anyone needs, but what the heck. I liken it to delivering my daughters, the call in the dark of the night, the instincts built and nurtured and known somewhere deep, deep within my own bones and cellular makeup, born of many generations of women doing just this same thing. And my body took over. It knew just what to do both times, and it did it. My body birthed another body. Not easily, not quietly, not tidily, goodness knows. It is all blood and guts and screaming and process, my friends. But my body knew, and your body knows. You too know what to do. It may not yet be the time. It may not yet be that the soil of your garden is ready. But trust, have faith in the seed of what is in you, in your garden, in your life, in your own cellular knowledge. Take good care of you, your health, your own learning and growing, and soil, and the many interdependent lives around you. I definitely think this is part of being able to hear. And being ready to take the action you need when the call comes, don't you think? And trust, trust that you will know when and what to grow. When Colleen Southwell first heard that call for exhibitions from her local gallery, and she was not completely clear on what her art was just yet, let alone did she have completed pieces, but she did it. She knew it was the right thing to do, And now she is so proud to watch her sons, watch her follow this personal and artistic path so deeply rooted in the land and the garden and the lives who thrive within it and with it. So stinking cool. So 
cool. We're back now with the garden curator, Colleen Southwell, an Australian artist, designer, and gardener. From her early love of making creations out of bits of found things, she now channels her passion into exquisitely detailed, handcrafted, pen and ink, paper and wire garden life representations. They make us all look more closely and appreciatively at the world around us. I definitely saw that connection between your hand-drawn garden designs and the the care that you take and the the fineness of the detail and the line drawings um, is very recognizable in then what becomes um, your, your artistry under the name of the garden curator. Uh, which I think is a name that covers both your your fine art and your garden design work. Is that correct? That that's true. And and when I was thinking about what what title to give the um, this little venture, and it was really about um, coming up with something that at that point when I started the garden curator, I actually really didn't know what I was going to be doing. Mm. It was, it was quite a leap of of faith. I just knew I needed to do something. I was feeling a little uh, disconnected to the landscape design work that I was doing at the time. I'd been doing some subcontracting work to a a great design business um, locally, and I was doing work for a number of my own clients, but I felt more and more that um, that there was a disconnect really between the true pleasures of gardening and 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 the design itself. Um, and so I I really started to rethink the way that I wanted to do my design work. Um, and I was also starting to explore avenues for my artwork too. So and the more I thought about it, the more I felt that. Gardening really is a process of of caring and of nurturing, and and the word curator really connected with me. Um, it, it comes from um, a Latin word curare, which means to care for. So I felt that mm. it was something that encompassed both my gardening and horticultural work, and and the the care that I need to take through my art, uh, art practice as well. So, and and um, it's been quite amazing, really. It, it, even though I had this name and this this venture to begin with, with nothing really to fill it, it has really evolved so organically. And and so I really think it's 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 been the right thing to do at the right time, and it's it's just evolved so naturally. Yeah. Okay. So we've been talking about your fine art and. Um, for people who haven't seen it, uh, it is really interesting and unique. And from my seat, uh, the way I look at it is that it it kind of marries uh, the idea of fine art, the applied arts, and the the artistry that we see in the scientific fields of uh, the study of plants or the study of insects and the finding of specimens and then the pinning of specimens in order to study them for 
their morphology, for uh, their different mm-hmm. anatomy, for their life cycle understanding. And so these two different fields, really very different fields in some ways, come together in what is both uh, artistic and feels very scientific at the same time. How did, what do you call this kind of art and how did you come to it, Colleen? Because it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's 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 actually quite a difficult uh, a difficult thing to explain. I'm often asked when when I am asked what I do, and I say that I'm an artist. I I quite I, I do struggle with with um you know it, be, it would be a lot easier to be able to say I'm a painter or I'm a sculptor. It's um right. it's really a combination of both of those things. So probably the best way to describe it would be a form of uh, paper sculpture so I uh, I craft uh, plant and insect specimens out of paper so I draw in in very fine pigment pen each of the individual elements first so every petal every leaf every wing um, I draw in a very fine pigment pen and then I, I add shadow to those pieces with watercolour. I use all sepia tones. I, I find that there's a, a really gentle quality about those colours. And, uh, and then I cut each of those pieces with embroidery scissors. It's very finely detailed, so they're quite tiny and there can be often hundreds or yeah. thousands of pieces in, in each artwork. And then I emboss them and shape them and assemble them and often use uh, lace-making wire for the roots um, of the plants. Sometimes I combine plants and insects. So I may have uh, insects that have leaves for wings or their legs um, evolve into roots um, within the piece itself. So sometimes they, you know, both pieces are, are, are linked together. And then I pin the pieces uh, onto the backing paper with entomology pins. So the idea really behind that, and the thing I really love about using entomology pins is that they do then allude to scientific specimens, which is really exactly what underpins my work. The idea that I'm I'm hoping to encourage people to pause, um, to slow down and to look closely at the work um, it, it's very finely detailed and it really does need to be viewed closely. So I, I find it interesting watching people uh, in a gallery situation look at the pieces because they'll move in really closely and then move back and then move in. So so they're really engaging with the piece, which is what I'm really hoping for. And I'm hoping then that they will take, um, take that and apply that within um, their own environment. So to look really closely at the plants around them, regardless of the, the size or or the grandeur of, of their own gardens, um, or to look closely at those things in the in nature around them, and to engage with those um, with with just the you know the incredible artistry of of, of nature herself. You know, I'm I'm, I'm certainly not trying to duplicate mm. um, plants or insects. A lot of them are imaginary, the pieces that I do, um, but it's really about celebrating um, that artistry and and just the design brilliance of of nature. We can't 
we can't replicate that, but we do need to appreciate it and we do need to take a moment um, to pause and, and, and to study. And, and I think in the process of doing that, to understand and then to care. I think that, that caring really comes through a greater understanding. So through both my garden work and my artwork, that is really my hope that people will take the time to pause and to appreciate and then to, um, to care. Yeah. And I, I think that you and I certainly have both seen in our lives and in the lives of the people who are plants lovers around us, that that has been the pathway. Mm. Um, and that the deeper you go, the, the more you uh, are amazed and the more you love deeply and want to share and protect and connect. Mm. The, you know, you, um, when it, when you first started to develop your particular signature style, mm. did it start as three-dimensional work with pins? Did it start as, you know, sort of two-dimensional watercolors and then started to be sculpturally cut out and formed? How has it mm. evolved over time? Like when was your very first one that looked like what they look like now, Colleen? They evolved very quickly and I really don't I can't say where it came from all I can can really think is that uh, again that the time was right and that this was really what I have been meant to be doing I've, I've yeah, searched yeah. you know I've searched for years I've, I've painted and and drawn and 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 done you know so many different um, art forms you know everything from from really fine embroidery to to other uh, sewing work to, to I, I love to paint in oils I do still do that um, but this um, yeah, it, it just, it, it started, I think, from the really fine drawing that I do. Every time I've tried to do something big and bold, I always come back to fine detail. Um, I just can't seem to move beyond that. So I'm I'm comfortable with that now, that that's just yeah. the way that I that I work, <laughs> that there is no point trying yeah. to fight it because that's just the way that, that, um, that, that things happen. And um, so I, I suppose I started drawing two-dimensionally and someone had had given me a, a piece of really fine wire. I, I was playing with that and forming it into the, the roots of a plant and it was just that one simple moment that really started me thinking about um, the potential of taking these pieces to a three-dimensional um level and to really be building on the idea of herbarium and entomology specimens. Yeah. So yeah. my studio and, and anyone who's seen any images, certainly um, occasionally I'll post on, on Instagram and on my website of images of the studio. I'm constantly littered with, you know, with plants in varying stages of decay. I can't bear to throw them out because they're just as beautiful <laughs> and they decay as they are when they're fresh. Right, they are. Um, yeah. And so it, that was, I suppose, really the, the trigger point. And then I have a good friend uh, locally who is a sculptor in steel and um, he does some amazing work and the a, a gorgeous local gallery in Orange, the Corner Store Gallery, had been calling for applications for exhibitions and, and Peter and I decided to apply for an exhibition 
which we were given. And at that point, if I'm really honest, I had no pieces um, completed. I hadn't. I hadn't even done a full. Uh, a, a full piece. I was still playing with this idea, and I'm I'm normally quite a cautious person, so it was very <laughs> very out of character. So it really was a case of you know sink or swim at that point, and um, mm-hmm. and so I I committed to getting a body of work together for this exhibition and was completely overwhelmed by the way that it connected with people. Um, it sold out yeah. um, in the first day, which was extraordinary. Wow. And wow. uh, and I've been doing this all but full time ever since. So, so ju- wow. just yeah, the way that the pieces have connected with people, just I'm just so grateful for that, and and so overwhelmed by it, and 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 it's doing exactly as I had hoped it would it would do um, mm-hmm. to to, mm-hmm. to bring people in and and to engage with people on some level. So yeah, it's it's been quite an amazing process. I'm I still can't quite believe that this has all unfolded all within the last couple of years. So it's um yeah yeah it's been great. What was what was the year of that first exhibition? So that was in 2018. So it was wow. actually two years exactly um, now. It was it was around this time that that exhibition was on, and I've wow. since had a number of other exhibitions. I had my first yes. solo back at the same gallery in November last year, which was also a sellout, which was amazing. And uh, I've exhibited in the Royal Botanic Gardens in Sydney. A couple of other beautiful private galleries. So yeah, it's um, it's it's been a, a crazy ride, but but one that I'm just really thrilled to be on. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Our conversation this week with Colleen Southwell, a gardener, garden designer, and incredible sculptural paper and ink and wire artist based in Orange, Australia, reminds us of the generative nature of our own gardens to inspire attention, focus, and care. We'll be right back for more of her garden and creation story. Stay with us. Okay, so thinking out loud this week. To be still. Colleen talks about this in our conversation this week, and it sounds so good. Why is it so hard to do? This is the only way she can create her art, she tells us. She knows this. And still, she says, pieces end up in the bin because she couldn't be still for it. She has to be still to make room for creating. Why do we distract ourselves with so much of everything else, even preparing to be still? Some of it's survival. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give me that. But let's be honest, right? A whole hell of a lot more of it is not about survival. It's about distraction. Nothing more. So be still this week, okay? I will too. I will try. This is your one and only assignment from me and from your garden this week. Every single day, claw out time in this height of summer here, in this depths of winter in Australia, and just be still. Stop. Look. Listen. What did you hear? I'd love to know, but first, be still enough to listen.
This is Cultivating Place. Colleen Southwell is the garden curator, artist, designer, and gardener based in the beauty of Australia. Her finely drawn pen and ink, paper and wire garden life representations make us all look more closely and appreciatively at the world around us. You mentioned that you're not trying to make exact replicas, that you are creating the ideas of of these things, but they are very recognizable forms. So it is a little fantastical, but in a way that is still so grounded. So, you know, for instance, I'm looking at at my little piece, which is maybe... Uh, maybe six inches by six inches, Colleen, and and there is, you know, kind of a version of a of a dragonfly, and he's coming in from the upper right hand corner into a a plant that, which to me looks very recognizably like a California native cream cup, which is a an annual spring plant. It's very very sweet. It or it could be a you know, like a marsh marigold or a... But what's beautiful is that it is both familiar and Mm. fantastical, poetic, artistic at the same time. And there's this movement and and dynamic nature to the way the three-dimensionality of the wire and the paper and then your fine, fine details. Mm. You could literally (laughs) stare at it for for hours. (laughs) When I... When I think about the amount of time, so, mm. so you're now doing this full time. When you uh, when you think about a piece, maybe m- the one the size of mine, six by six or larger, like how much time do each of these take you, Colleen? They take uh, many, many hours, days, um, even for the small piece. The smallest pieces are, are usually, you know, at least a couple of days, but the larger pieces can take can take weeks. So it's just, it's a process that can't be rushed. I, I have to be in a, a quiet frame of mind uh, to be able to work. And it's, it, it becomes quite a meditative process. So I find it really interesting that in order to create the pieces, I have to be, uh, be, be still and, um, mm. and be quiet, which is what I'm also hoping that those pieces actually, um, you know, encourage the onlooker yeah. to do. So I, I can't create otherwise. Anytime I've, I've tried to rush, um, rush a piece, it inevitably ends up um, in the bin. So it's just, it's not something that can be, can be rushed. So yeah, look, they, they take a, a, a huge amount of time. Um, they take a steady hand and, and I become quite connected to them as I'm working with them. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's quite a lovely process. I, I often liken it to going in to see a movie in daylight and then coming out of that movie and it's dark. You feel like time has has skipped. And so my days in the studio, I often feel like time has skipped because I become quite engrossed in it. And, and before I know it, I'm racing to meet the school bus or, bus or you know, to, to get the boys to sport or, or wherever they need to be. Okay. So one more question on process. Mm-hmm. When you are working on a piece, do you have an idea for what the 
the whole concept will be? Or do you start with the the individual pieces and have kind of a store of all the individual parts and then start putting them together into the creative composition that's the final result? I usually start by sketching out a basic composition and uh, and determining the shapes and the lines and the forms that I want in that piece. So I will often start with a, mm. um, plants that I've collected from the garden uh, or on walks through the paddock or up our, our laneway. Uh, and so I'm looking at those shapes and forms all the time. And it, it, it depends too if it's a commissioned work. Um, often that piece will reflect mm-hmm. a, a story of, of the people that I'm, I'm completing that work for, whether it be a connection to a particular place or the memories of a person and the plants that they loved. Uh, so that really is it very much guides the piece too. Um, so once I have that composition worked out, then I start to look at, at the individual pieces, so the flowers and the leaves, and um, and, and craft each of those uh, individually. So it depends too on, on the nature of the, the work. Sometimes I have to do... Uh, leaf by leaf and and assemble as I go and then in other cases I can do all of the leaves for a particular plant at once um, and all of the petals for a flower at once and then assemble and, and pull the whole piece together that way so so it's really always evolving too depending on the nature of the work itself and the story that I'm trying to tell through it. Yeah. And that brings me to the the idea of story. Uh, Early in our conversation, you made reference to the fact that your garden is uh, a very beautiful telling of your story as a couple with your husband and a family with your boys and on that piece of land. Um, And I, I, that's one of the things that is so resonant with people's gardens. Um, For for me, is the way that it is another form of our signatures or our Mm. our reflections in a mirror. And when I look through your work, and um, I, you know, I follow you on Instagram, I read your posts, I get your newsletter. You Mm. are not only very careful and uh, thoughtful with your your line drawing and your artistry, but also with your words. The the merging of these two ideas uh, is very strong in your work. So even in your early uh, exhibitions, I think your first one was called Unfurl. And, mm. um, you know, and, and other exhibitions might be, you know, Essentia or Rekindled mm. or Into the Wilder. Mm. And mm. I'm not sure if in the shadow uh, or the shadow of wings, um, imaginings of the unfound, did that go through or was it put on hold? It did. It did go ahead. It was a five-week exhibition uh, and unfortunately had to close after two days um, mm. of doors being open and we couldn't hold a, a, an official opening um, but the gallery um, are just really wonderful people and they did take the exhibition online for the remainder of that time. So oh, um, all in all, it was still um, really successful, which was great. So, and, and I was pleased that body of work was particularly focused on insects and on imaginary insects. Yeah. 
which combined a lot of plant elements into those pieces. And, and the idea behind that was to challenge our understanding of, of what we say, but also to challenge um, our desire to explain all um, that yeah. we, we constantly seem to, to be, you know, to feel the need to be able to explain um, what we see. But, but the reality is that there is actually so much that we don't know. And underpinning that exhibition was the thought that I think it, it, it's around 80% of species on the planet are as yet undiscovered. So Great. there is so much that we don't know. So, so the work in, in that exhibition was really about challenging our understanding and um, and and the realization that that as well as caring for the things that we do understand, we also need to be caring for um, for those that we don't that we're not yet aware of. Yeah, and it's it's a really interesting um, intersection between the way science and things like herbarium specimens or entomological specimens they help us to see and identify and categorize into these parts. But this mm. exhibition is also asking us to remember that if we get too stuck or too wedded to the idea of categorizing things, we sometimes get stuck in a box that doesn't then allow us to see other possibilities of what is what and how they're connected mm. and how we are all connected. And it's a it's a beautiful metaphoric exploration of what exactly is what and why do we mm. why do we um see it that way and how else could we see it right that's right it, absolutely and um and I think, uh, you know, even, even thinking back to um, talking about story within the garden, um, you know, that applies too, that I think we can become so concerned with, uh, you know, with, with first impressions and with the way that um, a, a, a garden looks to others and, uh, and really it's more about the way that it makes you think and the way that it makes yeah. you feel and yeah. the way that it connects with you on a personal level. And, and I think both gardens and art, um, you know, really need to be viewed in that way that, that really it's important that, um, that they connect. It, it, it's not just about those first impressions. It's important that they connect on a, a personal level um, and, and certainly in the garden from that, that storytelling perspective um, for me is, is just so important. You know, it, it's um, a, a garden has so much heart and soul if it's allowed to evolve mm. in response to the people who live within it. Mm. And if it's shared, um, not only with people, but with the other creatures that, that come into that space. I know for us, one of the greatest moments of, of joy in the garden was when we, um, when it was established to a point where we, we started to have um, huge numbers of birds coming into the garden mm. And and to be sharing the the space with them and to be be living um, you know shoulder to shoulder with them is just such a great privilege. 
Um, so, and, and, and I think too, it's about embracing imperfection. It doesn't need to be, um, to be perfect. Um, and, and it, it needs to really express the, the loves of, of the people who are, um, who are within it. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I really feel that that storytelling, um, connection to a, to a garden and to an artwork is, um, is, is, is really important. Yeah. Do you have any current or upcoming exhibitions that listeners should look out for? Unfortunately, for the rest the rest of this year, exhibitions have been cancelled, mm-hmm. um, which is such a shame. Thanks to um, thanks to COVID nineteen, um, a lot of artists are certainly in the same position. Yeah. Um, however, I'm I'm very fortunate that I have a great. Uh, number of commissions to work on. I'm working on a, a, a piece at the moment, which is a, a series of works uh, depicting Australian native flowers. Oh, nice. Um, for, yeah, which is a really wonderful project to work on for a, a fantastic um, family who are really committed to promoting um, the use of, of Australian native plants in gardens. So that's a really beautiful project to work on but um, I do have a another solo in the planning for uh, 2021 mm-hmm. and uh, and hopefully uh, back to Sydney for an exhibition uh, in 2021 as well so so those projects are certainly certainly still happening in the background um, and I'm working I'm, I'm still doing some landscape design work very little now but particularly working with people who are really interested in growing and developing the garden themselves so most of my work now is with people who are really keen to learn about the garden um, and about uh uh, evolving their gardens as we have ours so that it does tell the story of their families yeah. um, as it grows. And, uh, and part of that is looking at new, new ventures for um, running some garden days, uh, hopefully here at home actually connecting with people and, and looking at the ways that gardens can be shared in stories and in plants um, and in person. So, so some exciting things still on the agenda, but certainly, um, certainly there have been some changes to exhibitions for the remainder of, of this year. Yeah. The... I, I think you have answered this very beautifully, but I'm going to ask it just in case there's something else you want to add. When you think about your work, especially maybe as it's evolved and the different stories you've been able to tell and the way it has been received and people respond to it, what are your greatest joys in this work for yourself, Colleen? I think it really is the way that people connect to to the work. Um, some people are quite emotional when they see it, um, which I I yeah I find really um, really wonderful. Uh, I've had people say that um, that in looking at the work that they um, felt that they wanted to to be back outside in their own gardens, which is also a wonderful thing if it encourages people to 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 look closely um, at home then I think that that's really really wonderful um, it, it's really you know the, the success of exhibitions and so on is a really wonderful thing but but 
but more than anything, um, I, it, it's about, um, you know, the, the success, I suppose, to me is in that connection um, and, and talking with people and hearing about people's own experiences with their gardens, the stories of how plants have formed a, a, a part of their, their family history. Um, and, and the way then that people, you know, reminisce about plants that were important to, to their mums or to, to, you know, places where they've lived. And, and so, you know, it, very much it's, it's that hearing the people's stories and, and understanding um, the way that the work connects with them and, and the, the pleasure, I suppose, that then that work becomes part of their story from the point at which yeah. it's handed over to them. Is there anything else you would like to add about your your work and how it's evolving and any advice for for other gardeners or would-be gardener artists? Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think one of the most important things is that the process of gardening um, and art making, um, the joy really is in the process. The, mm-hmm. the finished product is is wonderful, but we need to be engaging with the process. That is really where the joy, um, the joy sits. So I think, you know, we seem to be on a a constant quest to, to find, um, you know, contentment and, and happiness as though it's something that we would stumble across on the shelf of a department store. (laughs) And that's just not, not the way that it works. You know, that, that Mm -hmm. joy and that contentment comes from that daily engagement with those little things and the natural world is 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 it's there you know it's 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 at our fingertips and it's on our doorstep so so I think that's a really important thing and and the other thing that I would encourage people um, who are interested in gardening and interested in art making is to call yourself a gardener and to call yourself an artist it seems to be that for many, many people, um, they, they are titles that are really difficult to bestow upon ourselves as though as though we need to have a particular qualification or to be, you know, for it to be justified by by someone else. But if you if you love plants and you love your garden and you love making, then don't be afraid to call yourself an artist because I think as soon as you do that, it seems to open doors to um, you know to amazing things. So, and and it needs to be without judgment. I think is is the other thing that that you know a beautiful garden is a beautiful garden. But really, that depends so much on how it connects with you um, individually, and um, and and that can be a very different thing for different people. I often think actually about a um, there's a house that I drive past every time I go to town, and it's quite an ordinary house, probably, you know, built a brick veneer house built in the, you know, late 70s or early 80s. And it has what on first impressions would be an ordinary garden. But it's tended almost every time I drive past that house, it's tended by a very elderly lady um, who clearly loves her garden and it's clearly feeding her and and it's just it's something I think of often and I always look at that house when I drive into town and it, it's just been a great realization for me that that you know while on on first impressions um, it's not a beautifully designed garden it's it's not something that you would necessarily take a second look at but that garden is doing everything that it needs to do for that lady and that really is what it's all about. 
Yes, yes. Thank you very much for being a guest on the program today. I have really enjoyed our conversation and the the call of your work to listen and to look and to be more closely with our gardens and the world around us is uh, it's it's essential at this time at any time Colleen thank you mm. it is more than ever thank you Jennifer it's been so lovely to speak to you Colleen Southwell is a gardener, a mother to two boys, a farmer's wife, a garden designer, and an artist committed to celebrating the beauty of the garden in the littlest things in the garden, from the finely twining roots of plants to the little magical winged creatures who make their lives in relationship with the flowers of the gardens and fields surrounding her home. Based on a 100-acre heritage sheep farm, including three acres of vegetable, orchard, and ornamental gardens in the rural landscape outside of Orange, Australia, Colleen joined us today to share more about her finely crafted pen and ink, paper and wire artistry created under the name of the Garden Curator and sourced in her own delight and appreciation for the amazing diversity and detail of life and its many relationships and interconnections in the garden and natural world. Join us again next week when we're joined by another incredible creative. Jasna Guy's artistry uses the colors of pollen, the myriad forms of bee and floral relationships, and the amazement of our co-evolution on this planet as the seed of her visionary work. Join us then. Cultivating Place is a listener-supported co-production of North State Public Radio, now also heard weekly on KWMR in Point Reyes Station on California's northern coast. Over on CultivatingPlace.com this week, you will not want to miss the many images of Colleen's artistry, her garden, and the landscape she loves that sets the scene for it all. It will inspire you to think and look and connect deeply, imaginatively, and lovingly. Thank you, as always, for listening. And thank you to the many of you who donate and make this work and these dialogues to grow by possible. If you're not subscribed or signed up to be a monthly sustaining donor, well, hey now, head over to cultivatingplace.com and get this checked off of your summer to-do list. You don't want to miss an episode. And each and every episode is made possible by listeners just like you. Just follow the support button at the top right-hand corner of every page at cultivatingplace.com. Any size donation goes a long way to grow this garden community. Follow the support button at cultivatingplace.com and thank you in advance. Our show producer and engineer is Matt Fiddler. Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.